Good morning, everybody. My name is Drew. I'm a pastor here at Hope and excited that you're all here with us today. Happy June morning. Um, we have a quick uh, family update. This is the end of our fiscal year. So our, our year at Hope here runs kind of similar to school year. So we end our fiscal year um, with our budget uh, in June. And so the last month here, we usually kind of give you an update of how we're finishing just as a family update. So consider this kind of a family meeting quick. Here, if you're not um, normally a part of Hope or you're visiting, um, uh, this isn't an op- We're not like, we didn't know you were coming. We're like, let's try to quick get them to give. Uh, we just, we just want to, we're a family. And so hopefully as a family, you'd sit down and say, here's our needs. Um, we're part of uh, three locations. And so Hope Community Church is a location downtown Minneapolis and in St. Paul and right here in Columbia Heights. And so as we finish our year here, just want to give you the needs. And uh, even last week already, as people have responded uh, to that need. It's been really cool to see what God's doing and just encourage you to uh, to give and even just be praying and trusting that our God who who has everything, right? Owns all these things will provide for us. So our, our need was 360,000 for all of our locations. Last week, uh, 60, about 68, 69,000 came in, which is incredible. And here at Heights, we have a goal of 60,000 um, and 30, about 3,500 came in. I think even some more this week came in. Um, and so just we wanted you to just be able to see that. Also wanted to show you just some different ways that you uh, can give. Some people have asked, like, how do I actually give? There's actually uh, an offering, a little black box out at the communion table you can give at. And last week we highlighted one of the ways to give through the website. And today just wanted to highlight, I was also really proud of this cool graphic that looks like a giant hand. Uh, that I can now tell from up here are, are not... Uh, perspectives off a little bit. The one hand is someone else's hand, it looks like. <laughs> this is your child's hand <laughs> helping you give, saying, mom, I think we should give to our church. And so they're helping you. Uh, this is our app uh, where you can find all sorts of things, all the events that are coming up. There's actually a messaging opportunity on there to message and hear what's going on at the church. Um, Lots of resources. You can hear sermons and read articles, all sorts of things. There's a Bible app on there that actually helps. Um, we have a reading plan, all these great things. One of the things you can go on there, click our location, Columbia Heights, as we can see this child doing this. Uh, then you click, then you simply click online giving and then it goes to a page where you can give. It's, it's very simple through the app. Uh, we really encourage you. That really is, um, our website's great, but our website really is like pulls from our app. So encourage you to, to uh, check out the app. It's a great place to connect to other people, to learn, to have find resources, and also a great place to give. And so uh, we just want to take a second to say that. We're, we're looking at uh, trusting God for this 60,000 here in Heights, and uh, we'd love for you to join us. And then let me pray for that, and then we'll keep moving here. Father, thanks for your goodness. You've given us so much. Uh, not, not just treasure, right? Not just money. You've given us life. Uh, community and a family. Uh, you've given us joy and peace, things that we could never get on our own that you have gifted us by your grace. And Lord, we uh, just pray and trust that you could make uh, this happen. And we pray that you continue to uh, encourage us uh, to be generous and also you just bless us as we uh, continue to look towards you, uh, be generous towards you and your people. Amen. Uh, one other quick update to let you know about. Uh, we've been talking about this a little bit, but there's a group called Apex. It's a, a, missionary, a missionary organization kind of through the free church, the Evangelical Free Church that we're associated with. And they are bringing um, kids for a few weeks. High school students will be coming. Maybe some of you grew up actually going on trips. You go like on a week-long trip somewhere. Well, we get to be that somewhere for a couple groups of students. And so starting next week, um, you'll notice there'll be a, like a crew of people we don't know, that a lot of them are high schoolers, 
Um, it wasn't just kids that like wandered in from town. They're actually people from other cities who've come in and they're gonna spend the week here and some working with us. And they wanna just give some of their time to partner with some of our partners and serve. And so uh, you'll see them. Hopefully we can welcome them well and also just ask you to be praying for them as they get ready to come here this next week. They're gonna be doing all sorts of things. They're gonna be part of our uh, picnic and Bible camps. We thought when we have extra um, young hands and energy, they can come and run around with kids. They'll be um, serving at the Seca food shop, which you guys can actually join us in that. That's from three to five on the next two Mondays or in two weeks. That's on the app, on the events. It says everything you need to know. Doing some prayer walks around the city, hopefully serving at the school. Sadie's gonna take us on a tour of the Somali mall uh, and get to meet some neighbors, uh, have opportunities to serve with homeless ministries in town. So I'm gonna be praying for them as they come. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to partner with them and even give them an opportunity to meet our people in our, our neighbors in our city. And uh, we're excited for that. So just wanted to make you aware. Next week, you might notice some new faces. All right, my favorite way to relax, which I believe is probably Kelly's because she didn't say it, uh, it, it maybe some of yours, is like the greatest invention in the history of the world, I believe, is a hammock. It's like, this is not me, uh, <laughs> but this looks cool wherever this is. <laughs> I need to find this spot. I, uh, growing up, we had hammocks. We had those net ones that made like diamond marks on you. Everyone heard of those? like the little rope ones. Um, and then as I got older, these became cool, these parachute ones. Uh, we have more of these than we have people in our home because uh, we just love to have hammocks and make hammock villages. And um, for me, if, if I'm having a day and I need to kind of escape a little bit, uh, this is where I'd go. I have a hammock on our deck and I just sit out there. And I would say, um, I, I say like, I like to do that a lot. I like to do that a whole lot to the point I asked my wife, I was like, could you send me a few pictures? because I know she likes to take pictures of me when, I'm fall, when I've fallen asleep in the hammock, which is always what happens if you sit in a hammock. Uh, and so she sent me a lot of photos, actually. I believe she searched hammock on her phone, and there was a whole series of just me in the hammock for many years. Here's a few of her faves. Uh, some of them, me sleeping, me and Frank sleeping in this one, next to each other, this one together in the hammock. Uh, when our girls were younger, all three of us could cram in a hammock. And even if it was cold, even like today would be perfect. We'd snuggle up like in a sleeping bag or a, uh, and we'd sleep. Or here's me again sleeping. Most of Kelly's pictures are me sleeping. And then she sends them to me. So like the text wakes me up. <laughs> I get a picture of myself sleeping. It's one of our cute little things we do in marriage. It's a little marriage tip. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorites. There's a lot of these pictures of when our girls were a little bit uh, shorter um, there's like a, there's a bonus kid down here on the bottom. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> a little doll sticking out. Um, we would all get snuggled up in a hammock and we'd read a book and we'd uh, laugh and tickle each other. And as you can see in the corners, dad would fall asleep and then kids would keep reading the book. I just, there's something about it wraps you up. And uh, I just, there's so many days I go out there to read and then I just, I don't read. I just, I'm out. Uh, there's nothing like waking up in a hammock. It's so good. So th- for me, it's really one of my ways to relax. It kind of is this, there's something about it that, that I love that soothes me. Uh, and, and I love that you can just take hammocks now anywhere. We go to a park and throw them up in some trees. It's wonderful. And so this for me has become like a really a place of rest. Um, and at times I, I have, I've gotten frustration because this rest gets taken from me. I might go out to my deck to get a little hammock time 
and maybe the chaos or the loudness of my house that I was trying to escape or the hammock, like follows me out to the hammock. And no matter how good your hammock is, you still can hear things and feel things. And I may have gotten shot with a hose a few times in the hammock because I wasn't responding. And so there's kind of this, like, I love to be able to escape to that rest, but there's still like a not rest involved in that. And that is today our hope is to think, what does rest look like? What does it look like to get away? What does it look like to truly get rest, maybe even in the midst of a water fight in a hammock? What does that look like? Um, And so we're in a series this summer that we're calling Not Just Another Story. It's an opportunity to look at some moments in the scripture. Maybe it's uh, it's an actual narrative, a story of something that Jesus has done. Sometimes Jesus is referring back to other stories. And he's explaining how these aren't just stories that are like good morals. It's not just reading a kid's book and you're like, oh, okay, I should be nicer to my friends. I should not talk back to my parents. These stories are stories that, that share with us this greater reality of this kingdom of God, the greater reality of the grace of God and who Jesus is. And today's uh, is a great one. It's actually a series of a bunch of little stories that I'm calling the story of the Sabbath shenanigans. Isn't that a good one? I was really proud of this one. Um, so today we're gonna look at the story of the Sabbath shenanigans. Some things are happening on Sabbath, this day of rest. And I think Jesus is pointing us to something uh, that's really good news that at maybe first glance, we don't see in the story. Um, and so I want us to make sure we stop and pause and see it. So we're in Luke uh, six today. If you wanna open your Bibles to that, I'll have the passages on the screen. Otherwise you can follow right along with us uh, in Luke six. So we're gonna look at a couple of these accounts and they all happen the same day on the Sabbath. And uh, people are upset with Jesus. People are excited about Jesus. Lots of is happening. And so we're gonna read these stories and hopefully leave here today being reminded of some really good news uh, that Jesus is, is acting out and telling us new stories. So this is Luke 6, uh, and it starts on the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. See, so they're walking through a field and they're picking the grain off the top of the, uh, of the field, the grain field, and they're eating it. They rub in their hands and they actually eat the kernels of grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They're saying you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here's our first moment on the Sabbath. This is a, a day where we're supposed to be rest, a day that the Pharisees here seem to be upset that something happened. And actually, it's really important to know in Deuteronomy 23, it tells us it, actually you're, it's okay if you're in a stranger's field and you're hungry and you need to take a few grains uh, to eat. That's okay, actually okay to do. It's a way to actually care for each other. Their problem here is that they're actually, they consider harvesting on the Sabbath. So that would not be allowed. There's not supposed to be work done. And so their actually concern is that these disciples of Jesus are, are harvesting grain and eating it on the Sabbath. And they're saying, you're breaking the law, Jesus. You're not supposed to do this. And Jesus says, have you not heard the story when David, and so there's this great story of King David where he's with his men and they go in there, they're really hungry. And they say, there's no bread. The only bread we have is this bread of the presence, this special bread that's for the priests. Um, and he actually asks the priests, can I, have this and they, they ask them some questions and then they say, you can, you can have that bread. So it's bread that really is not intended for 
uh, just David and then these, these men, but it's actually intended for priests. And so that would have been also unlawful. This is bread that would not have followed the laws, the rules here that they had um, in the temple. And so he's saying, remember when David did that? They actually were hungry. They're, they're very hungry and they needed something. And so this priest kind of made an exception in this moment. So he's like, do you remember when that happened? There's something there that's going on. That there, is, there are some moments that seem like to feed people when they're hungry is okay. So what's happening there? And, and so they ask him this question, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answers with this story. Remember the story of David when this kind of happened in a similar way? He says, and remember the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He makes this kind of bold statement in a sense saying the, the Sabbath, the law is changing. I'm actually Lord of the Sabbath and in fact, other places we see like, I, I, I am actually the son of man who is the Sabbath. And actually right after this, Jesus decides on another Sabbath to make another point. We're gonna look at all these so we kind of get a bigger picture of what he's doing here. So continuing on here in Luke, it says on another, another Sabbath. So these are happening on this day that's so important that they are taking rest and so important that we follow these rules and this law to, in order to really get rest. So there's a system set up on how to get rest and, and how to follow the rules so that there is a, uh, God is happy, God is connected to them, that there's a relationship with God. And, and Jesus is coming and saying, this is what I'm coming to do, I'm changing this. This is changing. And so on another Sabbath, it's just the right day for him to pick. This is a day where there, there's just really anything he does is gonna be, is gonna be looked at. He's gonna say, this stuff's different now. Uh, it really amplifies all these things he's doing. So he says, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. So the first one he feeds, he feeds these people. This one, there's a man there whose hand is shriveled. Uh, it's, it's not working. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. So at this point, they've seen him do these things and they're saying, we're gonna watch him if he breaks enough of these laws, then we have a case to maybe get rid of him even. They watch him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. So they see a man who's in need of healing and they say, let's, let's watch and see if Jesus will heal him. Almost like he's bait for them to watch. Let's see if this Jesus will heal him. Not in the sense like, how cool would it be if Jesus heals this man? But we're gonna see, so hopefully he'll break the rules and we can stop him. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. So we have Jesus standing with the shriveled hand, the, the man whose uh, hand is shriveled and we have the Pharisees watching. Probably everyone is watching. Like what is about to happen? This, he, he can't heal today. That's a, some work that is not to be done on the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a day of rest, a day that uh, reflects God's rest. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or destroy it. So he, he knows what they're thinking. It says he, Jesus actually even knows that. And so he's asking them, should I not heal this man today? Like, or should, or should I heal him? Like, what, what do you think? What's the right thing right here? And he looked around at all of them and then said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. His hand was completely restored. Do you imagine in that moment to watch someone whose hand was, was shriveled, wasn't working, and then in the moment, you just watch someone heal that person, change their life, make, made them whole, like their body again now works. And he says, stretch out your hand. 
And so he did, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. And we know these things continue to happen, and Jesus eventually is arrested, and they accuse him uh, really of doing these things and of calling himself God, which are true, and they end up crucifying him. And this actually isn't the beginning of this. So we see these two things happen in the Sabbath, and it actually starts back at our verse from last week. So last week we're in Luke 4, and this is where Jesus comes into Nazareth, his hometown. And on the Sabbath, he goes into a synagogue, as was, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And he, rolled, he read us the scroll, the prophet Isaiah, which was handed to him. Rolling out, he found the place where it says this. So he's reading Isaiah. He comes into his hometown on the Sabbath. He reads this passage. It's gonna be really important for us to understand what he's doing here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, this thing that Isaiah was talking about is happening right now. And then after that, Jesus goes on to continue to do things on the Sabbath, getting to the point where we read today. He actually heals a man who was sitting by the pools, uh, pools that they hoped were for healing. He was sitting there hoping that he'd get some time in these uh, waters that, that might heal him. And Jesus comes and says, you don't need those waters. You're looking at what you need. And he tells the man to stand up. And then the man takes, he says, pick up your mat, which wasn't allowed, that was work to be done on the Sabbath. So there was, they had problems with that. Just watching a man who couldn't walk now be able to walk, who spent a life not walking now could walk. And they said, and the, the problem was, hey, he just did that thing he's not supposed to do. He, he's not following those. And then Jesus comes and we see his disciples eat this grain. And they say, you're not supposed to be doing that. And he goes, you're, I think you're missing it. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Sabbath. And then he goes in a man's hand is shriveled and he heals it. And they say, you shouldn't be there. They become furious as they just watched a miracle happen in front of them. Well, why, would you, why would that be so upsetting? Well, it goes back because they're, they're following what they think is what's gonna bring life and ultimately rest to their lives. It starts, one of the places we see it is in Exodus 20. Uh, this is part of the, what we would call like the 10 commandments uh, where it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. So you can work and labor for six days, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant or your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. Just to be real clear, no one's working on this day. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and, and uh, all that is in them. And he restored on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is one of those moments in the 10 commandments where it reminds us, this is what God has done. And now we like bear that image in the same way. God worked for six days to create all things. And then in the same way, we're gonna take a Sabbath day to remember how God rested. And ultimately Sabbath is a way to just rest and say, like, you got it, God. I, I could not work today and things still will happen because you did it. And not only is this Sabbath thing a thing that God has called his people to, which they would be looking back to, no, but God said we can't do work on the Sabbath, Jesus. He says we, this, isn't, this isn't what we're called to do. They also made like the super Sabbath. 
like the ultimate Super Bowl of Sabbaths uh, that they call the year of Jubilee. It's like the ultimate Sabbath. It says, cut off seven Sabbath years, seven times, seven years. There's a lot of math. I know some of you aren't math people. Uh, I'm a mathlete. That's seven times seven, that's 49 years. And so this 50th, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. So they did the math for us. And then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. We've talked about this day. This is the day where they come together and they put the sins on the, on the animals, right? And the animals killed to remind them that sin brings death. And one is runs far away, the scapegoat, to remind us that sin pulls us far away from God this day of atonement, there's a trumpet, a horn that's gonna blow and this will, this will announce the beginning of this special year of Sabbath. It'll, it'll blow throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year. So this 50th year will be the super Sabbath, not just a day, but a whole year. And it will proclaim liberty throughout the land, freedom to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. This is a time where things reset. You come back to the, your family. You proclaim freedom. This is, this is such a cool image. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows uh, of itself or harvest the unintended vines for it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. You're not gonna do work to, to, heart, to uh, cultivate. You're just gonna enjoy all these things that God's gonna give you. You're gonna come together. You're gonna be returned, restored, kind of reset. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. You see, there's this system God creates and he says, I want you to take rest, but then I want you to, to create every 49th year, I want you to go, there's gonna be this bonus 50th year where all things will be restored. All things will be made right. All things will be kind of healed and not just people, but like creation. This gives the land a year to just like rest and be healed. It's this great year of Jubilee. Maybe you've even heard that phrase in the church, the year of Jubilee. We used to sing a song at our old church where we sang year of Jubilee. And I remember not totally understanding what that was, but it's a cool word, jubilee. And so I was excited about it. And this is what it is. It's that there's this year where all things get reset and brought back and, and things are made right. It's this incredible picture of what God is doing and wants to do in the world. And this year of jubilee is, is, uh, is proclaimed in this beautiful poetry by Isaiah that Jesus quotes. When Jesus quotes this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's proclaiming the year of Jubilee. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, which is known as the, this is like the poetry of the year of Jubilee. It's like a poem that says, this is what's coming this grand year of reset, uh, of life, of healing. And Jesus comes and just starts reading it. Almost as like he begins a song that we all know so that we go, oh, I know that's coming. And then he says, this is the year of Jubilee. Here it is. And actually God's people had not really ever done this well. There really wasn't a time where, where debts were forgiven and people came back together, uh, <laughs> where all, all people were 
were healed. The land had time to heal. Often God's people were even split up. God's people decided this wasn't important. They just weren't obeying this. And so finally the year of Jubilee is coming. Jesus says, I'm here. It's as if he comes into Nazareth and he blows the trumpet and says, it's finally here, friends. And it's not how you think. And he starts this poem. Now just listen to this. I put a nicer background so you could like experience Isaiah 61. Just take, I'm gonna read this. You can read along or maybe just close your eyes. Just listen to this. When Jesus starts reading this, this is the song. It's like, he's like starting, he's playing. And all that would come as you heard these words. And imagine a people, even today, imagine us hearing these words saying, this, this is coming and it could be true. And Jesus is saying, it's coming, it's here, I'm here. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Oh, I mean, how I want those. Joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair, beauty instead of ashes. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will herd their flocks. Foreigners will work their fields and vineyards and you'll be called priests of the Lord and you'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches, you will boast. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive your inheritance. No more shame, no more disgrace. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people, uh, are a people the Lord has blessed. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in the Lord for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adores his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before every nation, before all nations. It's this, Jesus starts this, this track and he says, isn't that, isn't that what you're looking for? Joy? And peace, restoration, a family, healing, to be made whole, to be renewed, to find a reset. He says this in, in, in Nazareth. And then he says, I'm the one who's bringing this. And I'm not just one bringing it, I am this. I'm Sabbath. I'm the year of Jubilee. In fact, in, in some uh, church traditions, they would call Jesus the Jubilee of Jubilees. Don't you love that? Uh, there's, a, there's an old hymn that's called Jesus, the Jubilee of Jubilees. He's the King of Kings and the Jubilee of Jubilees. 
And then he goes about each Sabbath, each day of rest, each little mini Jubilee, and he says, here's what, here's what the new law looks like. It looks like I'm coming to heal the broken so they stand up again and can walk. I'm here to feed and sustain those who are hungry. I'm here to heal the hand and make someone whole again who's not. I'm here to forgive debt, to forgive sins, to work to death so that you all could have rest, like real rest for your souls. The thing you want so badly, hoping that you follow these rules correctly, that you can finally have rest for your soul. And I'm here to bring that. It's the year of Jubilee. I'm here. My name's Jesus. And I want to see all things restored, that we would rest in God's presence. And in Matthew 11, we hear this, the verse we love here at Hope. Uh, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. If you will find rest, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What good news to hear on a day when you're worried you're going to do something wrong, which will upset the Lord, which now you can't fulfill this law, and you're just feeling like, I, I don't know if I can do this, and maybe if I can work harder, I could find rest. And Jesus says, I'm right here. I'm rest. You want rest for your soul, I'm right here. And we hear at the end of Revelation, this all finally happening. Because you might say, yeah, yeah, well, I've said yes to Jesus and I don't feel very restful. Because one day, right, right now we're kind of in the midst, right? We're, we're having like hoses on us while in our hammock, right? We're like, this is kind of restful, not really. We can rest in the midst of chaos and sin. But one day there'll be a day where it is just the year of Jubilee forever. And the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no more night. There'll be no need for the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. I love that picture because that's a picture of like great trees growing and producing crops month after month. This like incredible agriculture happening and all these healing happening and no one's doing that. There's not, it's not like there's the best farmers ever have come uh, to, to harvest. It's just God is making these things grow and people are being healed and we're just enjoying the light of God and the grace of God. And so the story this week is not just a regular story. It's a story where Jesus is proclaiming he is the year of Jubilee. He is our rest. He's coming to say, there's a new law and the rest that you look for is in me. The restoration and healing is in me. The, su the sustaining of you is in me. I think this for me feels... Uh, really hits home because of a deep desire I have to rest and often don't feel rest. Even as I enter out onto my deck and I sit down in my hammock, uh, I lay in the hammock and, and often what I do is think about all of the other things that don't cause rest in my day. I try to plan ways to fix those things. I try to plan ways to figure it out or I just like, I just need to 
escape, or I am literally sitting in my hammock trying to get work done. Things I, I gotta get done. So if I just get these things done, I can maybe feel whole or restored or some dignity or purpose. Um, just recently, a friend turned me on to this book, uh, The End of Burnout. It's someone who's doing some research and discussing on why we see so much burnout. We've seen an increase in people burning out this, this kind of other end of rest. Why are we seeing people not getting rest, even as we're in a time where people are trying to find new ways to rest and recoup and restore? And so Jonathan Malesic wrote this book. It's been really uh, encouraging. I've just read part of it and it's been like, oh, this is such a spiritual uh, picture for us. We burn out in large part because we believe work is the sure path to social, moral, and spiritual flourishing. True, right? I I work, I work, I work because I'm sure this will somehow cause flourishing or satisfaction Work simply can't deliver what we want from it. And the gap between our ideals and our on-the-job reality leads us to exhaustion, cynicism, and despair. Those are good words to explain not rest. I've liked those words have been helpful to me. I think sometimes exhaustion is my only word for not, not feeling rested. I think physically I feel exhausted. But I think cynicism for me definitely comes as I feel less rested. And despair, absolutely despair is like, feels like this deep rooted unrest in me. So he's saying part of what's happening is that kind of almost the order of uh, how we view work and rest. Saying we go into work to think that work will fuel us and fill us so that we feel full or sustained or healed or flourishing or satisfied. And that like will bring our soul's rest, realizing that actually is not what it is. Uh, and, And actually the argument would be, what, if, what did it look like to find pure rest, good rest in something else that would then overflow and allow us to work? So when you go to work, you might go to work hoping that this would fulfill you and your friend might go to work saying, I'm doing this out of something else, which I think I've seen many of you do when I talk to you how work is going. This week, I got to talk to some teachers and ask how uh, their last week was going. And a lot of like, I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it might be the number one answer to how, even as I ask like high schoolers, how was your week going? I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Uh, but as I talk to people who I would, would say follow Jesus and, and do it, it inspire me to do it. Uh, I'd say it's been a tough week, but, but we got through it. Someone even said uh, a lot of prayers got me through it. So there's this different source, right? There's a source of like great rest in the Lord, even in the midst of really hard things. And that rest of your, for your soul like overflows and kind of it empowers you to get through. And then there's a, there's a hoping that if I can work hard enough and get these things done and achieve enough and be successful, that will somehow give me rest. And we don't find it that way. It's really a simple kind of gospel order we see in, in all things. And so when I run to my hammock to escape, I'm not Sabbathing. I'm not resting in the Lord. I'm just hiding or maybe even delaying Things are hard and I want to run. Maybe I'm suffering and I want to run. But even that like, can become kind of a new law, a new rule of like, well, I'm having a hard day. I just need to sit in my hammock and then that will make things okay. Rather than I'm, I, can, I can rest in the midst of hard things. I'm not telling you to not rest. I'm, I'm encouraging all of you to buy hammocks and sit by a tree and get rest. I'm encouraging you to think about the rhythm and balance of your day so that we don't become burnt out, exhausted, in despair, but what, what does it look like to have a Jesus who says, 
Now, I'm not just saying, hey, don't follow those old guys' rules. I'm saying there's rest for your soul in the midst of weariness and, and burdens. Makes me think of a moment we had. Uh, our girls, this is when they were just little. We were out in the hammock one day and we were like laughing and whatever, reading books. And I had not fallen asleep yet. <laughs> and uh, it started raining. In the ham- like we're outside and I said, we should get out of the hammock. And the girl said, no, no, we should stay in the hammock. And so we wrapped the hammock around us and it started raining on us. And it was a sweet moment. We were in the hammock, protected from the rain coming down. It was a little windy. So we're moving a little bit. There's wind. It's getting a little chilly. We're, we're getting a little bit wet because the rain, you know, it's not waterproof. And we're not sitting on the ground though. So you can feel the rain almost like bounce off our deck and hit us. And we're, we're giggling and we're, we're laughing in there and we're like, this is crazy, it's raining. It's rain, starting to rain hard enough that like you can feel it. And you're like, we should probably go inside. It was just this great moment of like, we're in this cocoon of this hammock, protected and together, and even like laughing, even in the midst of being just soaked in a storm in our backyard. I do remember it because I said, I, we're, we're safe in here. And then... Uh, one of our girls had learned about lightning recently. And she was like, not from lightning. <laughs> You're like, okay, let's not, okay, let's go inside. <laughs> right, it's just an analogy. But there, this, is it, right? this is the idea. What if it looks like to rest in Jesus? Jesus comes and says, I'm the year of Jubilee. You can rest in me. I will heal you and I will, I will bring you close. I will make you family. And together you can hide in me, even in the midst of a lot of storm and a lot of waves. And so this week we get the opportunity and every week to make this decision of will we rest in this good news uh, of comfort and joy that comes in Christ or will we continue to work hoping that will bring us joy? And this brought me to uh, a moment that I had this week that was like a, like a teary moment as I read this story again. We're gonna do a little Christmas in June. Anyone know the story, right? The Christmas Carol, kind of classic. We got Scrooge, who has this, uh, who's a grouchy man with his cool top hat. And then this is some carolers. And there's a moment in the story of the Christmas Carol where Scrooge is working and carolers come to to sing to him, right? To sing tidings of comfort and joy. They actually come and sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen, the old uh, Christmas hymn. They sing this hymn to him, uh, you know, to, to, and he kind of dismisses them. It's a great picture that Charles Dickens writes for us of someone who's working hard and working away and, and, and making their fortune and like doing all he has to do, right? He's, he's got his, he's grinding away. He's hustling. He's got his hustle and his side hustle, like Scrooge is doing it. He's successful, right? He has a wonderful like storefront and a business and employees and and they come to proclaim to him the good news. And what do they sing? They sing a Christmas carol with these words. They sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen. This is from Luke 2. When, they, when they're announcing that Jesus has come, the jubilee of jubilees is here. The Sabbath of all Sabbaths is here. The Lord of the Sabbath. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Can you picture him like working away and they're proclaiming this good news to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. 
They're, pro- they're proclaiming the gospel to him. They're saying, we can rest, Scrooge. We can have comfort and we can have joy. We can have comfort. You have the nicest things and a wonderful home in town and this wonderful business. You, you're so comfortable. We can really truly have comfort, Scrooge. The wicked tides of sin and death, our Savior shall erase. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, tidings of comfort and joy. They are proclaiming to Scrooge, we can rest, Scrooge. Put down your pencil, take a breath. We can rest. We can rest. And he says, leave me alone. I got work to do. I got work to do. I, what a picture. It's like a picture of the whole story of the Christmas Carol. It's a picture of many moments of my life. I got to grind after this thing that I think will bring me rest and dignity, assurance and love. And, and, and right out the window, people are proclaiming this good news. I love it. I love that picture because we get to choose this God. Will I rest in Christ? And from that, I get to do great work, right? But I get to rest in the Jubilee of Jubilees. Christ comes over and over to say, it's here. Rest is here. This is really good news. And in fact, says it pretty clearly. It's almost like he summarizes Isaiah 61 for us here in Matthew 11. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. A rest uh, in Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team up. Uh, we're going to actually have an opportunity. I was so excited this week when they were willing to sing a Christmas song. I think my text to Jordan was like, can we sing a Christmas song this week? Christmas in June? Seems pretty fun. As I read that story, I went, what a picture, right? We get to proclaim this hymn all day to our friends, to our family, to people around us. Hey, there's rest. There's rest. There's good tidings of comfort and joy from our Savior. So a few questions to consider. We're going to take some time to sing together. And we are going to sing a little Christmas uh, hymn today. I'm very excited. But first, just consider as you uh, reflect and respond to the gospel here, do you know Jesus or Jubilee of Jubilees? Where do you find yourself looking for wholeness or purpose or rest? Do you, do you find a, an overflow of the rest that you find in Christ moving you towards those things? Who encouraged you to rest in Jesus? I think um, I have friends who do this and I have friends who I think unintentionally, even in the church, we do this. We don't encourage each other to rest in Christ. We kind of encourage each other like, ah, keep going, man. You got it. You got this. Keep, keep grinding. Uh, and there's a, how do we encourage each other to rest in Christ? And who does that for you? And who needs to know that there's rest for their soul? His name is Jesus. You know, someone who could maybe use that reminder who maybe needs a, a Christmas song sung outside their window to remind them that there's comfort and joy. His name is Jesus. We, we take time here at Hope to respond to the gospel. And we do that in a few different ways. We take communion, uh, which is out in the hallways. You can um, take that, the bread and the wine, the, the cracker and the grape juice and be reminded of Jesus' body broken, his blood shed, the work that he did so that we could have rest. We also love to sing and proclaim this good news. This is why we do it as if, as if we're all Scrooges here today and we've kind of lost our way and we feel broken and, and today we get to proclaim to each other across down the aisle, hey, there's, there's comfort and joy and it's in Jesus. Uh, there's also people who would love to pray for you in the back of the room uh, and you can always give online or, or in the box that's out at the community table. Let me pray for us as we continue to worship. Lord, you're really good to us. Oh, 
this grace that you've given us that you have come to restore and make right and give us true rest for our souls. I am weary and I am burdened and thank you for that invitation to come to you. I don't have to do a bunch of stuff to do that, but you've just welcomed me and I pray you would just pull us all in and that you would heal our souls and give us rest. And out of that, Lord, you would fill us, our cups overflowing, that we could go and proclaim this good news and be this good news and get to participate in that good news uh, to those around us. Thank you, Lord. I pray as we lift our voices, we would hear these words and believe them. I pray that in your good name. Amen.